Welcome to Darren Daily On Demand, your most trusted resource to help you become better every day. Here's your success mentor, Darren Hardy. So Don Yeager attended our third ever business masterclass. Now Don, a great guy, is a longtime associate editor for Sports Illustrated and now an 11-time New York Times bestselling author. He helped NFL superstar Warwick Dunn write his autobiography titled Running For My Life back in 2008. It's an inspirational story of tragedy, loss, success, and hope. I wanna share a few pieces of that story and the biggest lesson in it because it packs in an important lesson that I think all of us should be reminded of here this morning. So on Thanksgiving night, 2007, the crowd in Atlanta's Georgia Dome roared with praise. With a short burst through the line of scrimmage, Warwick Dunn became the 22nd running back in NFL history to rush for more than 10,000 yards. No one ever thought that a player of Warwick's size, a mere 5'8 and 180 pounds, would have the strength to withstand 12 years in the NFL, having to continually run through walls of 300 pound linemen, much less become one of its all time leading rushers. The next smallest person to reach that milestone weighed nearly 20 pounds more, but Wark treated his lack in size as he did every other obstacle thrown his way as fuel. Wark Dunn was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he was the oldest of six brothers and sisters. They all idolized their mother, police officer, Betty Smothers. Betty was forced to work several other part-time jobs to keep her family afloat, but she always made time to nurture her family. In high school, when Warwick began getting attention from scouts all over the country, his mother, also his best friend and advisor, stayed by his side to ensure that he made the best decision for his future. The day that they met Bobby Bowden, Warwick and his mother enthusiastically agreed that playing at Florida State University was the best choice. Warwick thought that he had it all figured out and his life was set. But two days after his 18th birthday, Warren got a call that changed his life forever. Warwick's mother, Betty, was shot and killed in an ambush while working a second job as a security guard. Betty was driving a store manager to the bank to make a night deposit when the attackers gunned them both down. Warwick's world was suddenly shattered. He was devastated and confused. As the oldest, Warwick knew that his new role would become the man of the household. Bobby Bowden called Warwick and said, look, you don't need to come to Florida State. Stay at LSU, stay there in Baton Rouge with your family. Warwick told Coach Bowden, there is no way. My mother and I made that choice together. I would never dishonor her. I will be there. I'm just gonna need to find a slightly bigger apartment because I'll need to bring my five siblings with me. Incredibly, Warwick managed to do both. He helped raise his five younger siblings while earning a business degree at Florida State. Warwick became FSU's all-time rushing leader in the history of the university as he led the Seminoles to their first ever national championship. During the NFL draft, Tony Dungy used his 12th pick in the first round of the draft to select Warwick Dunn. Dungy's other coaches violently opposed. What are you thinking, Tony? The guy is too small. There's no way he's gonna last in this league. Dungy replied, everybody else measures athletes by their height and weight. I measure them by the size of their heart. In his first year in the NFL, Warwick was named Offensive Rookie of the Year and earned three Pro Bowl selections in his career. Warwick rushed for over 11,000 yards, 4,000 receiving, holding five Tampa Bay Buccaneer franchise records and at least 11 Atlanta Falcons franchise records. When he retired, 
he became the first African-American part owner of the Atlanta Falcons. But that's not all. During Warwick's first season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's driving down the street. He saw a woman at a bus station with a child on her hip and another holding her hand. She reminded him of his mother. Warwick's mother always wanted to own a home, but she couldn't afford one. As a child, he grew up in various apartments and rental homes as his mother lived paycheck to paycheck as a police officer. That is when Warwick founded Homes for the Holidays to honor his late mother's dream of home ownership. His foundation buys, furnishes, and fills the refrigerator for struggling single moms. Today, 198 single moms with 518 children are living in homes because of Warwick's work. During the research phase for Warwick's autobiography, Don asked him if he ever got a chance to meet the man who killed his mom, what he would ask him. Whoa, said Warwick. That's more than I thought we'd be talking about today. And he got up and he left the meeting. Two days later, Work returned with a notepad filled with questions. Don had made some calls and handed Work a notice explaining that he could meet his mother's killer sitting on death row in a Louisiana penitentiary. Whoa, Work says and walks out of the room. Three days later, he returns and says, let's go to Louisiana. Work spent years in counseling, dealing with depression from the grief of losing his mother. He still remembers it like it was yesterday, waiting for his mom in her bed the night that she was killed. When his mother's killer, Kevin Brumfeld, walked into the small room that Don and Warwick were seated in, the first words out of his mouth were, I didn't do it. Warwick sat patiently and listened to this guy's story, but stopped him after about 20 minutes. He pushed aside his spiral notebook filled with questions, looked at Brumfield in the eyes and bared his soul. He said, in the 20 years after my mom's death, I had been hesitant about being in a committed relationship. I've been afraid to lose people. I've been in counseling for many years over this very concept of having a true committed relationship because I don't wanna lose somebody I love twice in my life. I don't think that I could suffer that pain again. Warwick paused while tears ran down his face. If you didn't do it, I don't know why you're here today but I know why I'm here today. I'm here because I need to forgive somebody. As they walked out of the prison, passing rows and rows of razor wire, Don asked Warren how he could forgive that man. The man who did the unforgivable, the man who murdered his mother. Warwick replied, my mother used to tell me that. In moments of challenge, you get two choices. You can be bitter or better. And as my son, I asked that you always choose to be better, he said. As we sat there, I could feel my mother in the room with us. And I wanted, in that moment, to make my mother proud. In 2016, Kevin Brumfield, who spent 21 years on death row, was resentenced to life in prison where he sits to this very day. Challenges and adversity will find us all. Maybe not as tragically as it did Warwick and his family. But when it does, let's all take a page from Warwick's mom's playbook and remind ourselves, when faced with challenge and adversity, we get two choices. You can be bitter or you can become better. Betty Smothers asks us to become better.